What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for a special Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99, and you can check out all of our other fantasy baseball work at Ethos Fantasy BB. That is where you post all of our podcasts, articles, news and notes, uh, every bit of content you guys can check out over there. And if you're not somebody who uses social media, please do go to sportsethos.com. You'll get all that same great work over there. Today, we are joined by a very special guest to kick off our team previews. I'm not going to be going in alphabetical order necessarily, but we're starting kind of at the top here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I'm bringing on somebody who's never been on the show before, somebody who I, I don't know that a lot of people in the fantasy world are necessarily familiar with. But if you are a baseball person, if you follow baseball content, you've likely seen him in a video or two for a company that you may have may or may not have heard of called John Boy Media. Um, uh, making a joke there, of course. You guys know John Boy, and you've probably heard of Mr. Dalton Feely, who is joining us here. You can find him on Twitter at dfeely14. Dalton, I really appreciate you making the time today, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man, Joe. Like this is, I'm excited to be here. First time on, like you said, uh, love fantasy baseball. Obviously, love my snake. So I'm down to talk and excited to chat and see what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to talk with somebody from John Boy. Like I mentioned before, John Boy is, is uh, an ascending company every year. You guys get bigger and bigger. I think it was the last six or seven years you guys have been around and uh, making some of the best content. I've just been talking with you and with Jolly Olive uh, recently about how great the content is on the JM Baseball channel, just the different trivia and quiz videos have got me going to the Sporkle myself and doing some of these quizzes and whatnot. Uh, so it's definitely worth checking out at JM Baseball on YouTube. But Dalton, I want to give you a chance to just talk about what you do at John Boy and about the different content. I know you do football, you do baseball, uh, you do a ton of different stuff. So just let the people know exactly what it is you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, of course. Uh, my big thing at John Boy is I'm, I'm the head researcher, um, big podcast talking baseball from John Boy. Uh, John Boy himself, talking Jake and Trevor Plouffe, uh, and BBD, producer BBD. Uh, every you know off season two episodes during the season three episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, talking about the game of baseball, the entire MLB, and I'm their head researcher. So I provide and organize as much as that I could find each game of each series, and they go in depth. They, it's so awesome to be a part of something like that because you know. It's, it's basically impossible to watch every pitch of every game of every series. So uh, my job is to basically accumulate as much as I can through those games and series. And those guys, the four of them, do an amazing job of bringing their own knowledge and their own research and then what I provide and make one amazing product, uh, product each and every week, each and every day. Yeah, you guys, you guys are fantastic. Um, and you've been doing that for about a year, you said now, right? About yes. A year. Yeah, this is my, uh, my first season, 2023. Great season to start on, especially being a Snakes fan, having them go to the World Series. That was quite a shock, if you will. You know, I don't think anyone, if you said to me before 2023 that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be in the World Series, I would have laughed. I would have laughed. Um, and so it was a great surprise for sure. You would have made a couple bucks if you were thinking that way the, before the season, if you uh, had put up a little wager on them making it there. Now, you are not an Arizona native, are you? I'm not. I'm a New York native. I know. So, so, so how are we a Diamondbacks fan? So I, my first affiliation is Diamondbacks Yankees, but the purple and teal got to me when I was a young kid. I was born in 99, so I'm, I'm a young kid. Um, still like to consider myself young at least. Um, but no, I, I love the purple and teal. And Randy Johnson growing up was my favorite pitcher. Like watching this six foot ten lefty throwing 100 miles per hour 
against guys who are hitting ball, supposed to be hitting balls 450 feet, and he's just punching them out. You know, strikeout after strikeout was so awesome to see. So basically, I became a Diamondbacks fan because of Randy Johnson. That's really cool. Is Jake actually a Diamondbacks fan, or is he a Yankee fan, or what? Because I, I is it a joke like the whole Diamondback thing? Or he, he's a Yankee fan, but his Diamondbacks like that's his second team, if you will. Yeah. Uh, he's got good ties with some of the people in Arizona and whatnot, the social media, if you will. Um, but like you know, Yankees are his number one, and then if another team, the Yankees were out, he'd probably be for the Diamondbacks for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. They're hard not to like. You know, they're they're an ascending young team, especially now, and they have the history, of course. Randy Johnson, they won the World Series in two thousand one, I want to say. Yeah. Um, they are they got some history, even though they're they're a young team, relatively speaking. Uh, and they're very fun right now. Now the whole World Series thing definitely took everybody by surprise, but that is kind of the randomness that we've seen in baseball, right? You can any team like we saw the Dodgers get taken out by the Diamondbacks. Nobody would have really expected that. You don't usually see those teams like the Braves this year were unstoppable, and you know, it turns out they were stoppable. But Diamondbacks fans were definitely pretty happy with what they saw. And just going through this roster, it looks pretty damn good, and it looks like it may have even gotten a little bit better in the offseason. What do you think of these offseason moves just as a whole here? The big ones, I think, are bringing, back, uh, bringing in Eugenio Suarez, um, bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez and re-signing Lourdes Gurriel, do you like the way the offseason has kind of looked for them so far? Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, this was an 84-win team that barely made the playoffs for the sixth wild card team to make it, or the sixth team, the sixth seed, second wild card team, third wild card team in the National League uh, to be in. They barely get in the playoffs by just a game, and you're thinking they have no playoff chances. Of course, they go on the World Series run, so. It's like, where can we add? They're, they, they weren't this world-beating team like you mentioned. The Braves, the Dodgers had 100 wins last year. Like the Arizona Diamondbacks were not that. And now they've added a third base, which was a huge problem last year. Longoria did his thing fielding-wise, but obviously the bat wasn't there. Manuel Rivera is more of a bench bat. You bring back Lourdes, which is huge. Um, Gold Glove finalist came back with a bat with 24 home runs last year after having five the previous year with Toronto. So that's a big bounce back. And bringing it back. No one thought he was going to come back to Diamondbacks either. He posted like right after the season. I don't know if you saw. He posted like a farewell to Arizona, goodbye. So to, for him to go to the open market, see his value, and then still decide to come back to Arizona was a huge win for a team that needed a right-handed bat in the outfield. Tremendous. And then Erod, yeah, Erod in the ro rotation. You can never have too many arms, especially in the rotation. Um, I had a little bit concerned going into the offseason, could they get a left-handed pitcher as a starter? Uh, didn't really want Snell in terms of price. I didn't think that was a realistic option. But Erod, you know, Mike Hazen, general manager Mike Hazen uh, and manager Tori Lovello, they they know Erod from their times in Boston too. So they kind of had a good feel for who he was, um, the familiarity, uh, familiarity, if you will. And giving them that four for 80 contract, uh, they were comfortable. And the past couple of years, he seems to have gotten better and better with Detroit too. It's kind of surprising to me that because he declined the trade at the deadline to go to the Dodgers, and I was thinking that he wanted to be more of a, an East Coast guy, that he was going to stay in Detroit or he was yeah. going to you know, stay on that kind of hemisphere. Dakota Arizona is kind of strange, right? And I'm sure the Dodgers fans are kind of scratching their heads at why he wouldn't have gone there. He turned down that trade at the deadline. That The Dodgers, I mean, I don't know if they would have even got to him in a series against the Diamondbacks, but there might be a bit of a sour taste on uh, some, some Dodgers fans' mouths going into next season when they're facing Erod. But you know what? They got Yamamoto. They got glass now. Like they this give them true. a little bit of sour yeah. taste, especially early on, because that was the one, the first thing that happened of those moves. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes you don't want there are players that don't want to go into the the big market cities. They rather, you know, play in a smaller franchise and make their money and just perform. Other other players we've seen in the past 
whether it's in New York or LA, they, they don't like the big lights. And that's totally okay, in my opinion, from a small market fan. Uh, fan if you will. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Blue Jays fan. We're becoming a bigger market, I guess, but we're not, we're still not a big market team. We've got some big free agent signings over the last couple of years, but I think we're still kind of, even depending on, I mean, it doesn't really matter how big the market is being in Toronto. We're always going to be viewed as kind of smaller, I guess, being in Canada, whatnot. For sure. And that's but, fair. But like, that's, you know, like they're they're there, like they're competing. It's not like they're not willing to spend. Yeah, no, it is true. Uh, but let's get to this lineup. Let's start uh, breaking down this team from the top. And projected to lead off, he will be the leadoff hitter. He is the golden boy. He is Mr. Corbin Carroll. I love Corbin Carroll. Uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Now, there was a couple of times last season where there was concerns with injury, with his shoulder, with a couple of different things, and it didn't actually stop him from playing. He still played. 155 games last season. Yep. I, I don't know if it's something that we're going to have to worry about long term, but I mean, the skills we saw in year one were 25 homers, 54 steals. He batted 285, scored 116 times. We have early projections that are out on fan graphs, and he's projected to do pretty much the exact same thing. Do you think Carroll is going to be able to, to build on this? Do you have any concerns about the injuries? Uh, what's your overall perspective on him right now? I try to be an optimistic guy, so let's start with the positives, right? I think we're we're, we're going to see him be the same, if not better. Um, getting on base a lot, that clip, that the average 285. I, I think he's a guy that we're going to see consistently about 280, 290, maybe even get into the 300s in an era where not as many guys are batting in the 300s anymore. It's more of that power that we're seeing with a lower batting average. But Carroll is what I like to consider a coach's player. He's, he's going to give you all that five tools. He's going to give you the fielding and right field most likely. could play left, could play center, but he's going to probably patrol right based on how the lineup looks currently um, or even left. Depends on if, you know, if Lourdes is going to be DH. Regardless, he'll probably play a corner slot. Alec Thomas plays center field, but he's going to give you stolen bases. He had 54 last year. Um, it's so dynamic. He led the NL in triples with 10. Uh, he's going to continue to do that in that ballpark. The concern I say I would have is the power. Now, he had 25 home runs last year, which is awesome. And, that, and I mean, looking at a, a man of his stature well, as an MLB player, you don't really see a 25, 30 home run player from someone who's usually under six foot. That's not – and for how lean he is, he's, he's very strong for his build. He's like 5'10", 1, 170. But he doesn't look like a prototypical power bat. And I think my question is he had the shoulder injury and he – he actually did it. He had the, the same injury twice, but he didn't miss time. And the other time he suffered the shoulder injury, it was just he he missed a game or two. Um, my question is, with, if that shoulder injury flares up, will it affect his power? Because I think it did in 2023. Um, he didn't have nearly as many home runs in the end of the year, August and September. So I'm wondering if those power numbers could be replicated in 2024. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I don't think that it'll be something that is a massive concern like i think he's still gonna be a 20 ish home run kind of bat yeah but i think maybe we're capping what you know because some people will see 25 home runs as a rookie with all the potential and they'll think well he's gonna go to 30 he's gonna go to 35 just that's the natural progression that people have in their heads when they see a young stud that it's gonna just be exponential growth but he might just end up as a guy who is like you said maybe like a 20 to 25 guy who's giving you a 300 batting average and that's not something that you really see a lot of the time that kind of build in this day and age and that kind of i think is a prototypical type of leadoff hitter uh in corbin carroll he gets on base a good amount as well solid walk rate 362 on base last year 
it's hard not to just absolutely love him and only being 23 years old it's hard to say like what the potential could possibly be and I don't want to cap him and say that he couldn't be a 30 35 home run guy but you know maybe realistically we could say with the potential shoulder injuries don't go get carried away with massive expectations in that regard I'm with you. Yeah, if, if he's given 20-plus home runs, you take it for sure, based on what else he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, now, projected to be the number two hitter in the lineup is Cattell Marte. And Cattell had a really nice bounce-back season last year. After a couple of down years, people were kind of counting him out a little bit. Gave you 25 homers, batted 276, stole eight bases. And he was walking you know, 11% of the time, really solid number there. And, you know, based on the projections, projections can really vary based on you know, a lot of different factors, but he's projected to have about the exact same season uh, based on what Steamer is projecting on Fangraphs. 21 homers, 7 steals, and a 276 batting average again. Uh, do you think that Cattell can do it again, or do you think that was kind of, you know, a bounce-back season that's not really, you know, something that he can replicate again? What, what are your thoughts on Cattell? Yeah, I mean, with Cattell, one of the things with, with him has been just being able to play games and staying healthy. Uh, 2021, he only played 90 games, uh, and that's a big problem. Uh, he missed some time during the COVID year. I think he missed like 15, 16 games uh, during the COVID year too. I think the biggest shock was him having 25 home runs again. Uh, this is the, the most home runs he's had since 20, uh, 2019 when he had 32. He also had the most RBIs he's had in a season. He had 82 RBIs this season. He had, he had 92 in 2019, the most he, he's ever had in a season. So I think the power numbers were quite shocking. Uh, between 2021 and 2022, he had 26 total home runs in about 230 games. So I was quite pleasantly surprised that he brought 25 home runs to the table. Um, in terms of, is he able to replicate it? I, I don't know, because we've only seen him hit 20 home runs tw two times, in 2019 and 2023. So that I'm a little weary on that end, but Cattell is an electric, play, uh, an electric player overall. We saw the postseason he had set in a record for most consecutive games to start a postseason career and I believe consecutive games in postseason to record a hit. Um, so he was a huge reason why the Diamondbacks made the World Series in 2020, uh, 2023. Excuse me. Um, but I think my question is, if we can, if, if the OPS is over 830, I think that's a win. If the average is above 280, I think that's a win. I don't know about the power numbers. 25, I feel like it's going to be a reach for the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, he's a 280 career hitter, 279. I think that's definitely something that he can do. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the power, like you said, like 2019 was a year when everybody was having crazy home run totals. Jeff right. McNeil had 25 and Christian Vazquez went for 25. You and I probably could have gone for 15 <laughs> or 20. I mean, the ball was bouncing all over the place. That was the year when the Twins had like 730 home run guy. It was like a crazy squad. It was yeah, it was nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, Solaire went for fifty. There was all these crazy numbers. So that one you can kind of maybe throw away a little bit. This one, you know, it's hard to say exactly. He was able to stay healthy, which maybe he was just able to get there based on a volume standpoint, right? He played 150 games, which was the most he played since 2018. Maybe if he plays what he usually plays, which is in the 120, 130 range, then we're probably getting 15 home runs, 17 home runs from Cattell. Probably still pretty decent batting average, but. I think I'm with you there that that 25 home runs is going to end up looking like probably a, another outlier, just like 2019 was. I don't see him getting there again unless he's able to to stay healthy and play 150, 160 games. And then maybe I could see him getting 20, but I wouldn't be banking on it. You know, if you're drafting him this year, I wouldn't be saying you're definitely getting that that 20 home run, you know, potential 10 steal season. Maybe, maybe you will, but I wouldn't guarantee it. 
And you know what? The steals are even a question mark for me too. He's going to be 30 this year and yeah. he had eight stolen bases, which is a pretty number. But if you look at the last few seasons from 2020 to 2022, he had a combined eight stolen bases. He didn't run much uh, until this season again, where he kind of rejuvenated and recorded eight stolen bases, which is, I think if you're not really, if you're not a Diamondbacks fan, you're kind of shocked only seeing eight stolen bases from Capel Marte. He looks like a, a stereotypical player who would steal bases, if you will. Nice, you know, tall, lean, athletic you know, second baseman. Um, but he just really hadn't, he hasn't recorded more than 10 stolen bases since 2019. We're going to bring up that year with Capel Marte. That's obviously his career year. That all-star year, he was fourth in MVP. And people, you know, people don't talk about that. But Cattell Marte, when he's healthy, he's been a really good player for the Snakes. Yeah, he batted 329 that season. That's amazing. Uh, he was had a 150 WRC plus. He was a 6.2 war player, according to Fangraphs. He was incredible. I don't think he's ever getting there uh, again, though, at this point. That's clear. That's clearly the outlier, right? If you look at his whole career, yeah. fourth in MVP voting. 329 batting average just a, a ridiculous season from Cattell still a really good player I uh, don't want to be bashing him still a good player but maybe don't expect uh, the same kind of power numbers going into next year now the next guy is going to tug at the heartstrings a little bit it's Gabriel Moreno and as a Blue Jay fan this one is going to always always hurt to talk about him but here we are especially seeing that power kind of come out in the playoffs now if he is able to unlock power there's no stopping him. He's going to be somebody who can hit potentially 300. He's going to give you some steals from the catcher position, which in fantasy is pretty much impossible. <laughs> if, he's, if he's able to hit you like 12, 15 home runs, I absolutely am going to fall in love with him more than I even was when he was a Blue Jay for that very short period of time. What are, what are your thoughts on Moreno? So I know he's projected the bat third. Um, in my opinion, that's that's not going to be the case unless it's a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Gabby's a great, is, was a dominant, is a dominant uh, right-handed batter versus left-handed pitching. He batted 350 last year versus lefties. He just absolutely crushed them. Um, so that's going to be where I think he'll make his mark. I think in a right-handed lineup, he's going to drop a little bit. Uh, Gabby led the team in postseason home runs with four, but he only had seven during the year. So like you said, power is going to be a question. So I don't think he's going to bat third in, against a righty. I think that's where you see like a Walker-Suarez 3-4 combo come into play. But yeah, man, Gabby Moreno, if we're not going to talk about his bat, like the glove, he is I mean, won a gold glove this year for rightfully so. Uh, he outs above average. His his ability with his arm, uh, cutting runners trying to steal was amazing. I'm I'm so excited. I I let you bring it up first about the trade, the Navarro show for Guriel and Moreno trade. Uh, he's been a key piece, and we're gonna have him for at least another four years, which is neat, especially at the catcher position, which is gonna help our rotation too. If Varsho is able to to turn his season, uh, turn his kind of batting around from last year, because you know uh, defensively Varsho's excellent, but offensively speaking, it was terrible. If he's able to to kind of recoup some of that offensive value, then I can see the trade working out okay. But considering Guriel bounced back in a big way, Moreno is looking like he's going to be a, an all star. You know, I think you give it three or four years, he's going to be battling Rutschman for the position of best catcher in baseball. I think that he is close to that level. Um, and maybe there's still some old Toronto bias kind of leaking in there because of how much I loved him as a prospect. But I think he just legitimately is that good. I, I really do. Uh, and it's going to suck watching him be a Diamondback for the next 10 years, like you said. Um, but let's move on and talk about uh, something that's not going to hurt so much. That's Christian Walker. Christian Walker, you want to talk about good defense. He has become probably the best defensive first baseman in the league, very arguably speaking. Uh, I think he did win another gold glove this year. 
think that's two for him now. And, you know, you want to talk about offensively, another 30 home run season. He drove in 103 and he stole 11 bases just for fun while still batting, you know, 258, which was an increase over the previous year. Everything looks amazing for Christian Walker. Is there any reason to doubt that he can just be this guy for the next couple of years? Age is maybe a little bit of a question, but is there any real reason to doubt Walker in 2024? No, I don't I don't think yet. But I do want to say about his defense real quick. I'm so glad you brought it up. I love it. Um, I think that's really the underrated part of Walker's play. Like he is has been the best uh defensive first baseman for the last couple of years now. He's one of five players to win gold gloves in back to back years in 2022 and 2023. Uh the other four are either a cub or a guardian. So that's kind of ironic. It's Hap, Swanson, Jimenez, and Quan. And you wouldn't put I don't think people would put Christian Walker in terms of defensive capability with those guys. And he's been that good. So I do want to give a little bit of that shout out defensively, but yeah, going offensive, man, like he's had uh, 33 home runs and 36 home runs over the last two, you know, those two years uh, together. I'm wondering about that average. Um, It's not bad. It's gone up from 242 to 258. I get it. Um, I do remember that 2019 year where he had limited at bats. He was at the 271 range, the 270, 271 range. I just don't think there's any reason to doubt uh, Walker. He's going to be 33 this year. He's showing the power, whether it's the home runs or the doubles. Um, strikes out, but not at too much of a high clip where you're worried about it. So he's a slugger that's going to give you some pop with not with with not too many strikeouts. He's not going to be a guy who I think gives you 200 or even 160 Ks, but more like in that 130 range. Um, but yeah, Walker. It's funny, the Dimebacks have the stereotype at first base, which is great, or prototype, if you will, excuse me, um, between Goldie and Walker. Just guys who are underrated defensively, who can underratedly run a little bit. Walker had 11 stolen bases. Uh, since He hadn't had more than eight in his career, I think. Uh, I was looking at it in one season. But uh, can have some pop, obviously. Walker is a keystone of this Dimebacks team, and he's always going to be a sneaky fantasy player. Yeah, especially if he can keep stealing. I mean, that's not something you'd really expect when you were drafting him this year. You're thinking, you know, you're 30 home runs, you're getting, you know, 90 or so runs, 90 or so RBI. I don't think anybody was expected more than maybe two or three chip-in steals, but to get double digits from him is huge. Now, you mentioned 2019. Again, that was one where I think in 2022 when he started to look kind of legit, some people were thinking, well, you know, it's the first time we've seen anything since 2019 and 2019 it was kind of a skewed year, but 2019 is also the only year to that point where he'd actually played a full season. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to say, you know, if there's a guy like a Jeff McNeil type, who's always a single digit Homer guy, and then he hits 25, that's clearly an outlier. And with Walker, I kind of got fooled a little bit into thinking like 2019, he just benefited from the ball environment, but he's a legitimate 30 plus home run bat. I think he can do it again. I think that, you know, he's going to be somebody who maybe doesn't steal double-digit bases. Maybe that's something where you can say might come back to five or six or, mm-hmm. or three or four or something like that. But I think you're getting a really solid overall package and what's going to be, I think, a really sneaky good lineup again. And maybe it won't be so sneaky just because they went to the World Series, but I think this team is going to be a really, really solid overall offense. And Walker being in the middle there is going to benefit runs and RBI-wise. So I, I see no reason not to really like him going forward. Oh, I completely agree. I do uh, the stolen bases. I, I, you said five or six. I was thinking six or seven. So we're right on the same page with that too. Yeah. Now let's talk about the new addition, Eugenio Suarez. Somebody that I think it's probably a, a pretty sneaky good ad as well. 
Uh, I don't think it cost them a ton in in their trade. Um, it was for Sebi Zavala and Carlos Vargas. Not, not nothing really there. Uh, and you're getting a, a pretty solid player again. He was excellent defensively this past season. Always a, a pretty solid defensive guy if you look at the metrics. And offensively speaking, 49 home runs in 2019. That's going to be a common one. Every other year, though, you're talking 30 something. You know, he did benefit from the 2019, but still, mm -hmm. uh, 31, 31, 22 this past year was kind of a low mark, but he still drove in 96 runs. He gave you a couple steals. Fantasy wise, there are some flaws, but I think he's still a pretty solid option for you at third base. He's not going to be somebody that's like an expensive fantasy piece, not somebody that's, you know, going to be pushed up a lot in drafts, I don't think. And in real life wise, he's defensively so strong that he's going to play 150, 160 games, I think. What, what are your thoughts on Suarez, though, the new addition? Yeah, I, I, I think he should be playing around 150, 160 games. Played all 162 last year, which is really impressive. Um, I think the biggest thing for Suarez is just cutting down the punch outs. Uh, he, he's been really bad in that aspect. Cause it's also because he plays a lot like knock on wood. He's been relatively healthy for a majority of his career. Uh, besides the COVID year, he hasn't played less than 140 games since 2015. So he's been knock on wood, pretty darn durable. Um, but with that said, 2019, 2022 and 2023, he led the league in strikeouts with 189, 196 and 214. Um, so if you're playing in a league, especially where you're, you know, K's are against you, definitely not, it's a, you know, you're, you're not perceived with caution with him at third base, but yeah, his whole career, he's averaged, uh, 30 home runs per 162. I, the power should be there. I, I think he's a guy that bounces back and maybe in a place where Arizona, you know, Seattle's not a hitter park and Arizona is not as much of a hitter park as it once used to be. Um, but I, I still think he's a guy that's going to give you at a minimum of 25 home runs, but the average might be around the 220 or at high point, the 240 range. Yeah, the strikeouts are a big thing. He's like a 30-plus percent strikeout rate guy. He's going to probably strike out 200 times. So if you're playing in a points league where you get minus one or minus two mm -hmm. for strikeouts, <clears throat> he's going to take away, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of home runs that kind of offset that, but that will definitely eat into it. And if you're playing in, you know, standard, like a rotisserie five by five category league, whatever you're playing in that batting average, the lack of stolen bases, there, there's something to be said there, but I think going into this lineup, that's probably going to be a little bit better. I would say than what he's leaving from Seattle last year, yeah. there's a potential for him to kind of get close to that hundred RBI mark. Again, 30 home runs is definitely within reach. So, he is somebody that I, I think is a reasonable value option if you're not going to draft Austin Riley or Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez. You can kind of wait and get a guy like Suarez who's going to be in the middle of this lineup and, and probably going to do fairly well, uh, I think, in Arizona. Now, Alec Thomas, I think Alec Thomas is going to be batting somewhere in this range. He's projected to be the center fielder, and we're probably going to see that considering his defense as well. you got a very strong uh, defensive team in Arizona. Now, in terms of offensively speaking, I don't know if he's going to be amazing. Last year in 125 games, it was nine homers, nine steals, and a 230 batting average. He's projected to increase those numbers across the board, according to the Fangraphs projections. He's got 14 homers, 10 steals, and a 261 projection. He's also projected to have more walks and fewer strikeouts. So they are thinking that there's going to be a nice increase across the board from Alec Thomas. Do you agree? Do you think we're going to see a nice increase from him now in his third season? Well, you know, it's very funny. Again, uh, Al Thomas is, I call him Corbin Carroll Jr. in the aspect that he's built very similarly, and he, he plays relatively similar too. Yeah. Thomas is a better defender. Um, I think like that's a clear cut. Like Al Thomas is one of the best defensive center fielders in all of baseball. Like that's how good he's been. 
and it stunk. And a quick sidebar in the World Series where he made that mishap where the ball went underneath his glove. It's like that was the first time. Like, wow, the ball hit the Thomas, and he he made a mistake. Like that, yeah. you never see that. Um, hearing the fan graphs projections for the first time, a little bit of surprise. Uh, a little bit surprised that they have him bumped up um, to like fifteen, the fourteen home run range, the ten stolen bases. He is very fast, and I've always wondered the past in 2022, 2023, why doesn't he steal as much? Like, why does he not steal? Because he's so fast. But, you know, sometimes you're not – just because you're fast doesn't make you a good base runner or base stealer. And I'm really hoping they work with him because I think he could be a guy, based on athleticism alone, where he's 15, 20, 25-plus stolen base caliber, but he hasn't shown it yet. And then the power for me um, – his swing, like he will run into a few. Like he, he's another, you know, shorter guy, but he's strong. Uh, he's, I, you know, I've been very similar to Corbin Carroll, and that bat path. Like when he connects on one, he's launching one to the pool, if not over. And I, I don't know what number is right. He had eight in 2022. He had nine in 2023. A similar amount of plate appearances. So you know what? I'm gonna go safe. And I'll say ten home runs. You know, let's just keep going up by one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that, first of all, I mean, he played 125 games. So if he is a guy who can play like 150, 160, like just based on the fact that he's playing every day, I'm hoping that we can see 15 from him. I'm, I'm really hoping that we can get there. Um, for, in the minors, we saw him at different points uh, show a little bit more power than we've seen. Even like 2021 20, in AAA, eight homers in 34 games. Like we, we have seen it from him. So I'm really hoping that he can unlock some of that power. And if he's able to go to a 260 type of batting average, playing an everyday role, double-digit homers and steals, like I think he'll be kind of a sneaky guy in your, in your deep leagues. Because I play in a lot of leagues where there's five outfielders, 15 team, you know, degenerate type leagues. Ooh. Yeah, where you're, <laughs> yeah, there are some, there's some crazy leagues out there, Dalton. Man, I there you're drafting like 750 players deep. And oh my gosh, that kind of league. But you're not paying like an expensive price for a guy like Alec Thomas, and he's going to get playing time. You know, he's going to kind of be producing across the board. He might be batting right in the middle of a really nice lineup, and they also project 60 runs, 62 RBIs. I mean, he might be a really sneaky asset if he's able to unlock some more of that power, which I think is there. And you think the speed is there? Like, could he be like a long shot 2020 guy? Like, I, I think it could be possible. Like, who knows? I think that's a best case scenario, but I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think so. I think that's his high point. Yeah. Uh, the big question for me, it's righty lefty. Um, Corbin Carroll does a really good job battling lefties. Uh, that was like in 2023, like I'd hear every game early on, they would say, you know, Corbin Carroll worked on facing lefties and told Tori Lavello his goal was to face all the lefties possible. And he did it. Like he batted roughly the same batting average righty left versus lefty. Alex Thomas, not the same way. 253 hitter versus righties last year, 143 versus lefties so he has struggled versus lefties um and that that's gonna be my big question with alec thomas can he can he take that step versus the left-handed pitchers if he can and play almost every day facing those guys you know 2020 is a, a real possibility but i think that's holding me back right now for for alec thomas i definitely wouldn't project it i think that's more like if everything goes perfectly for him got it uh, but i think that the talent is there for it and maybe it doesn't happen this year but i think you will see a 2020 season from him uh, at some point in the next few years I, I think he will get there i think he's still what is he 23 years old right now this is age 24 mm -hmm. season he's got he's got a long time to develop and i think in this lineup uh, i think there's gonna be some good things coming for him over the next couple of years 
Now, we touched on Lourdes Goriel Jr. earlier on. Another bit of a sore spot here as a Blue Jay fan because we kind of gave up on him. I think he had a, a bit of a tough year in 2022, but always a solid guy, um, you know, morale-wise. He's, he's a fun guy to have in the dugout. Oh, yeah. He's not the greatest defender, but he does have an incredible arm. He was one of the guys who led in outfield assists during his time in Toronto. And that power is there. You know, he got back up over 20 homers. He's a guy who can bat close to 300. He did struggle down the stretch, but there was a time early in the season, and I'm just going to pull up his splits by month for Guriel, where he was dominant. And it was in the month of May, he batted 352 with eight home runs. And, I mean, I was just shocked. I thought he might be able to kind of keep up that kind of pace. Now, he did settle down, but it was still a career high in homers. Uh, he stole five bases. He drove in 82 it was a very good season for Guriel. I don't see much of a reason why he can't do something similar again. Like he's a guy that I think is, you know, gonna just be this type of player. Twenty-ish home runs. He's gonna bat two seventy-ish. He's gonna play pretty much every single day for you, and he's gonna be kind of one of those boring fantasy players that's not a massive asset, but somebody like for those deeper type leagues who can really help you out. I don't know for your standard fantasy leagues if he's gonna be a huge asset, but what are your thoughts on Guriel here? Yeah, I, I think you actually said it really well. Like in base, like the game of baseball, like not in fantasy's perspective. In, in in the MLB, he's such a fun player. Pina Power, the pineapple, the purple hair, the locker room vibes. Everyone seems to love him. I know the one, you know, I thought the Diamondbacks were going to lose him in free agency. So I thought the one year, like it was a blast. And I, I thought he was going to be gone. It was going to stink. Like that's going to be a big hole, both in left field slash potential DH. And in that locker room, which is a really young locker room, and he was one of the, the vets in terms of MLB playing time. Um, but to bring him back is huge for the Dimebacks. Now for fantasy, like he said, he's kind of a boring option. Like he he's not someone who's going to bat, you know, over 300 for the most part. You're not expecting more than 20 home runs. I know he had 24 this year. I, I it's it's funny from 2022 with the Blue Jays where you saw him a lot, and then 2023 where I saw him a lot because those were two way different seasons you know he had five home runs in 2022 and batted 290 2023 he bats 261 which is much lower but he gives us 24 home runs which is a massive difference um i don't know what guriel to believe in yet um just because like you know you've seen both versions of him so i'm hoping it's a little bit of a mix where he's gonna give you 20 home runs and a 280 if not even better. I'm hoping if he can give me 25, a career high, that's awesome. Worth it. Love it. Yeah, and we've seen seasons from him where he's bat, you know, in the short COVID year, he batted 308. I know it's 57 games, but 291, 276, 277, those are solid batting averages. That's well within the range where he could spike a 290, 300 season while giving you 20 home runs. It's something he's done three times. And he did, you know, 2019, he hit 20 home runs in 84 games. He did it in 141 games, and then he did it in 145 games. So as long as he's playing a full season, I think that he's probably going to give you somewhere in the 20 range. And that batting average, it, it should be there to some extent, right? And at, at the point of a draft where you're taking Guriel, there's not a lot of guys left who are going to be positive batting average forces in a decent lineup who can give you 20 homers. Like, there are a lot of positives I think you can find from Guriel, even if it does end up being 17, 18 homers, which is definitely a possibility. I think that he's still going to be a, a pretty solid asset overall. Now, Geraldo Perdomo looks like he's going to be starting it short for you guys. Don't think there's going to be much of a, a change there. He's coming off of a decent enough year. He played 144 games, six homers, 16 stolen bases, a 246 batting average. Again, 
stop me if you've heard this before. A solid defender on the Diamondbacks. Uh, what do you, what do you think about Perdomo heading into this season? All right, so <laughs> it, it, with Geraldo Perdomo, it's it's very interesting because he's a another locker room guy. Like he's a big personality, and a fun personality, um, and he he's a good defender. He's great at sacrifice bunting and sacrifice hits. He's, the past two uh, years, he's led the league in sack hits, which is great. Um, I am a little worried offensively. Um, I don't know if he's going to replicate his 2023 year, you know, where he was an all-star, you know, 16 stolen bases. Um, I, I just don't know. I think there could be a time where Lawler comes in and takes his spot. If his offensive, if the offensive struggles that I could see happening take place, um, it was a big downhill for him. So, you know, all-star 2023 and then second half, he's a 214 hitter. He has one home run in the last 53 games, in the last 70 games he plays in. Uh, the power is gone. It was just, you know, he's not a power hitter, but like there was just nothing uh, juiced up in that bat. And if, for, if you're not going to bring power and you're not going to make much contact, you know, 214 hitter in the second half of the season, you better be playing defense. And luckily that's what his role is. I, I don't think he's going to be a big, fantasy value in my opinion um you know maybe he surprises me and somehow there's power in that bat or he gets off to a really hot start again but it's stolen bases it's defense that's what it. do you think the odds are that lawler takes over that starting job this year uh i would say start of the season zero percent perdomo is going to start the year i think if things are rough during late may slash through may i think lawler gets his chance uh, yeah. You know, number one prospect for the Diamondbacks, only had 34 plate appearances um, in 2023. So, you know, hasn't gotten much action yet. Didn't really get much playing time in the postseason, which makes sense. You wouldn't do that to a young player. But uh, I think if Perdomo struggles offensively, he's he's got to try the kid out. He's your number one prospect for a reason. I don't want to say the Diamondbacks are going to win now. But they're in the World Series last year. And so if there is a spot where you're struggling, especially at shortstop, I think you have to put in the kid and, and you know, and, and see if that helps that situation. Yeah. I think it's really, it will depend on Lawler because if Perdomo, Perdomo's not, you know, he's capped in terms of what his potential I think is. He's not just going to blow up and win player of the month in April or something like that. Like if Lawler is raking the way that he probably will, they, he might force their hand at some point. It doesn't really matter how good the glove is of Perdomo. If you can hit, they'll find the spot for you. That's true. At, mm-hmm. If it's true when you're 10 years old, it's true in the major leagues. It's always true at all levels of baseball. So I think it'll depend more on Lawler. I don't think Perdomo is somebody that's, you know, for fantasy purposes, going to be really, truly interesting in those really incredibly deep formats. Maybe if he's able to, you know, keep the starting job, but there's there's no certainty there in my mind that he is going to keep it for the whole season. I think by the end of the year, I'd be pretty surprised if it's not Lawler. Uh, is that is that a fair statement? A hundred percent. I my prediction is that Lawler will be the starting shortstop by the end of the season, if not by the All Star break. And listen, I I really do like Raul Perdomo. Like I I don't want to say I'm crapping on him, but I just think last year's a really good season for him, especially in that first half. And I I don't think that's the player who he is. I think it's more of that second half guy. You know, that's what his real expectations should be. But and. You know, it could be biased because Lawler is a top prospect. You want to see the kid play, and you know how good he's supposed to be. Um, but he's more a much. He's a more fun player to project. Uh, last two minor league years, he's had 75 stolen bases. He had 36 home runs. You know, so if he's going to give you 15, 20 home runs and 
35 plus stolen bases a season. Like, again, you can't convert minor league to MLB, but that's yeah. way more fun than what Perdomo could, you know, is probably going to bring. Yeah, absolutely. Keep him a, a part of the young group that has come up already. Mm-hmm. And part of that young group includes uh, the last guy that's projected to be in this starting lineup. I'm not sure 100% if he will have an everyday role or if it'll be more of a platoon, but Jake McCarthy. Jake McCarthy came on the scene really in 2022 and batted 283, stole our hearts, 23 <laughs> stolen bases as well, eight homers. And then this past season, he was somebody that was being drafted incredibly high up in drafts. Like he was a top 100 pick. I was I was doing it a couple times, and then that was more when I was drafting early in the in, in the season because I start my drafting like the day the season ends. I'm already drafted for next year. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> no, I um, that's awesome. As I yeah yeah, it does have its downfalls, but there are some times when you'll you know draft a guy a lot later than he ends up going and by the time drafts are happening in February and March. So there, there's positives and negatives to it. You kind of learn the player pool early on, which is kind of why I do it. But he was a guy early last year that I was kind of drafting. And then as draft season went on, there was a bit of a cluster in the outfield. I thought in Arizona, I wasn't sure about playing time and I wasn't a hundred percent certain if he was going to be able to carry over what he did on a per game basis in 2022. And he stole more bases. He played the exact same number of games, 99 in both uh, seasons, but he batted 243, only hit two home runs. And I'm really not 100% sure if he's going to have an everyday role. What, where are you at right now on Jake McCarthy? So it's funny that you, you know, that Jake McCarthy is a projected guy. Cause I have no, I have no idea what's going to happen because McCarthy in the second half of the year was sent down. He was really struggling. Uh, so they sent them down. Then Dom Fletcher also came up. He got hurt. Uh, obviously, they trade for Tommy Pham, and that becomes their guy who was in the outfield with Carol, Thomas, and Guriel, and they're mixing those guys up with one of them, usually being the DH as well. Um, I I just I don't know. I really don't know. I think we're in the same boat because I in 2022, I had Jake McCarthy in fantasy too, fun fact. Um, and he has 23 stolen bases, a 283 hitter, eight home runs. I mean, I didn't think he was a big power guy, but it's like, okay, we'll take that for sure. Um I think it's just funny outside of Guriel, if you're going for the, the three most athletic outfielders, um, though Guriel was fantastic in the field last year for the Snakes, um, it's McCarthy, it's Thomas and Carroll. All three are left-handed hitters. And McCarthy and Thomas have both struggled versus left-handed pitching. You know, no shock there. Um, so I think in terms of Diamondbacks needs, if we're still, you know, like if we're going to look at team needs, I think a right-handed outfield bat, they signed Guriel, which is huge. They could always. They could also use another one, whether it's a bench player, a platoon player, something. Because the other outfielder on their bench is Dominic Fletcher, also a left-handed hitter. So, you know, there's a mold that they like right now in their outfield, and I, and I think they need one more right-handed hitter. But going to McCarthy, he's not an everyday guy. I don't think he will be. Um, he will be a stolen base threat, unlike Alec Thomas. You know, McCarthy's fast, and he's a really good base runner. So yeah. he's going to give you those stolen bases. don't think the power is going to be there. Um, if he can give you doubles, like he's a guy that will turn singles into doubles. So that's always good to get those extra base hits. If your league's doing that, um, I don't think he's an everyday guy, but it's someone to watch because if they don't address the outfield with a right-handed bat right now, McCarthy would be slotted in for that role. He's going to fight with Fletcher and it's going to be a spring training battle. Yeah. That's the problem. Having to start this process of team previews in January, there will be still Cody Bellinger's unsigned as of right now. Blake Snell, I don't think, is signed as of right now unless there's been something that's happened today. Right. There's a lot of things that are still going to happen. So you guys might be listening to this in March. Somebody might come back and listen up the podcast feed and think, what are you talking about? They signed, whatever, they traded for whoever. 
that's the problem with doing this. But again, as of right now, uh, we, we have what we have, right? And these previews are going to happen over the next couple of months. I'm not 100% sure about McCarthy long term necessarily. But as long as he's out there, like even if there's a time where, you know, let's, let's say he doesn't have an everyday role at a certain point of the season, but then somebody gets hurt and he's playing every single day. If you need stolen bases, that's a surefire source of stolen bases. Even if he's not guaranteed to hit any home runs or do anything else, he's the kind of guy who is a specific need type of player for me. He's not one of those balanced fantasy players who's going to do everything for you. That 283 is likely not going to happen again. So I think that you're probably safer to not get yourself into the Jake McCarthy business for fantasy unless you you really desperately need an outfielder when he comes up in your draft. And I, I just can't see myself hitting the draft button on him too many times uh, for this season. But that's pretty much it for the position players. In terms of the starting rotation, obviously there is a big dog at the top, and that's Zach Allen. Zach Allen was a Cy Young finalist this past season, and he was pretty damn excellent. 17-9 and nine record. He had a 347 ERA. He had a 1.12 whip. Now, I've heard some people talk about there uh, being a little bit of concern about the way he ended the season. He wasn't quite as sharp in the second half. He had a 4.03 ERA. He wasn't quite the same pitcher. Uh, the strikeouts were a little bit down, not you know to a concerning level, but he went from 26.5% strikeout rate down to 25. Walks went up a bit in the second half. Uh, he wasn't the same pitcher down the stretch a little bit. Is that something that you're concerned about overall? I mean, he was still a Cy Young finalist, so I mean, how concerning can it really be? But uh, at the end of the day, uh, he didn't finish strongly. So is that something that is going to concern you heading into this season? Not yet. You know, he's he's going to be 28 this year, but, you know, this was his first season where he threw over 200 innings. Going from 2021, he threw 121 innings. 2022, there was 184. Last year, he threw a 210, which is his career high. So I, I kind of understand why he falls off a little bit. This is the first time he's done that many innings, and that's counting. That's not just counting the regular season. We're not talking those postseason innings he had too, which is somewhat of a surprise, obviously from you know Nymeck's expectations. So he threw, let's roughly estimate, 235 innings. You know, yeah. ballpark it. It's a lot of pitchers' arm in one season. So I, I kind of understand why Gallon fell. And looking at the other Nymeck pitchers real quick, there's no one who really replicated the amount of innings that Gallon did. So he was their top dog for a reason. He, ha- he makes 34 starts, but no one's making, you know, going six, seven deep like he was this season. Um, and we'll say, not worried yet, like I said, but he he's going to give you innings. He's going to give you probably wins. ERA is probably going to be within that 3-2 range, I think. Yeah, I know he finished here with a 3-4-7. I think he's a guy that's like a 3-1, 3-2. Um, especially if he gives you, you know, his second year with around 200 innings, I think he'll have a better feel of how to manage, manage the arm. I'm also curious if they limit his innings earlier in the year, you know, keep him fresher towards the end of the year because they saw the downfall, if you will, towards the end. Uh, my big thing for Gallon it was, and Dimeback fans were, were, were talking about it, his home away splits were really bad last year. Um, at home, he was 12 and 3. A 2.47 ERA with a 10.6 K per nine in 16 games. On the road, 18 starts, five and six, 4.42 ERA, 8.3 K per nine. So, like, he, I don't know what it is, but there's no place like home for Zach Allen. He really loved pitching in Chase Field this year. Yeah. Massive difference in the strikeout rate, home and away. A lot more home runs allowed on the road. Um, very interesting. And, uh, I guess he just really likes pitching at home. There are some pitchers, I guess, that are just used to the yeah. home cooking, sleeping in their own bed, I guess, and it's hard to hard to fault them there, really. 
Now, in terms of the fantasy point of view, he's being drafted as the eighth starting pitcher off the board this year. He's behind Strider, Cole, Burns, Wheeler, Gosman, Castillo, and Kirby. Does that sound about right to you? He's going ahead of Pablo Lopez. He's going ahead of Glass now. He's going ahead of Aaron Nola, Freddie Peralta, Yamamoto. He's still going ahead of. Does that sound about right to you? So it depends on the league, in my opinion, because I think Gallon of those names you mentioned outside of Aaron Nola is the safest bet to give you 180 plus innings, mm. in my opinion. Because Nola's been a dog with the innings. He, he, you know, 200 plus innings, you know, what, like five last five years. Um, but, but that said, I think if you're looking at a starting pitcher for K upside, that's where Glass now comes in. That's where Yamamoto could potentially come in. Um, I think Gallon being eight is fair. I think he's like an SP10 if we're going to ballpark it based on the names that you said. Uh, my personal bias for fantasy is guys who could punch out batters, you yeah. know. Um, Strikeouts are fun. Strikeouts are cool. It gives you more incentive to watch too. Um, yes. But yeah, I think I think that's a very fair spot that you that you're saying. Yeah, he's a he's a very solid strikeout pitcher. Twenty six percent strikeout rate is well above average. Yeah, but it's not Strider. It's not Gosman level. It's not even Pablo Lopez type. Third Snell, even who I didn't mention. Um, those are the more fun guys. But there is something to be said sometimes. I think about somebody who's a little bit more boring that doesn't necessarily because. Those guys who are the striders of the world, they do pop up the draft boards as well. People are going to reach a little bit higher for them. So you sacrifice some of those strikeouts for a round in your draft. You know, you get Gallon in the third round or the fourth round instead of the second or the third round, and you sacrifice some strikeouts, but you're able to take a hitter in front of him or something. So I think it does generally balance out. It's hard not to like Zach Allen. It's really hard. If you look at every season of his career, there was the bad year, which was 2021. But other than that, 281, 275, 254, 347. He's pretty damn consistent. We'll, we'll spot him the one outlier year there. He's been a, a sub-3 ERA pitcher in pretty much every season of his career. It's hard not to like him. I will say real quick, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that one outlier year because Granky did the same thing. So it's got to be something with the Zacks in Arizona. Granky had that 2016 year there where he first came in. It was very bumpy to start, and then he kind of got acclimated with the area. So yeah. who knows? <laughs> You'll give him a mulligan. Everybody gets a mulligan uh, at some point. <clears throat> one. But uh, let's talk about the number two guy in this rotation as of right now. Well, it may end up being Eduardo Rodriguez, but as of right now on paper, and I think it's justifiable, that's Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly has had a couple of incredible seasons the last two years and it's been shocking to me really especially coming off of 2021 where he wasn't that great who would have thought that he'd post back-to-back seasons of a sub three and a half era well throwing a hell of a lot of innings 200 in 2022 and 177 in 2023 i don't know if anybody would have thought that was possible and on top of that this year he actually boosted his strikeout rate like quite a bit it's usually been like a 20 21 22 guy he was 26 percent. that doesn't sound like a massive increase but in reality, he struck out more batters this year in 23 fewer innings than he did last year. So there's a lot to really like about Merrill Kelly. He's a bit older than you might think, Merrill Kelly, at 35. But it's hard to really find too many faults in what he's done over the last couple of seasons. No, I mean, I, you know, you said it. Who, who would have thought he was a guy that's going to be sub-3-4 the last two years? I, I didn't. I thought... <laughs> I thought 2022 is actually the mulligan, but a good mulligan where it was like, you know, yeah. the outlier, if you will, where it's like, wow, uh, that's awesome. Could you do it again? I don't, I don't know. I, I think you're more of that four, four guy, but no, he had a fantastic year. Um, and especially coming off a year where he threw a career high in 2022, 200 innings, uh, 200.1. He comes back, he throws less innings, but still 177. He, he, he makes his 30 starts. The strikeouts go up. Like you said, 
it's impressive. I, I'm shocked for a guy who's going to be 35, you know, in October. He he's looked pretty darn good for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think he's their number two, at least to start, um, rightfully so. We talked about innings. You know, it's hard to find guys who are going to eat innings. Since 2022, he's thrown the 10th most out of all starters in baseball. So that's something to be said. And with out of guys who have thrown at least 300 innings since 2022, he's got a 3-3 array, which is 14th best out of like 50 guys. So that's, you know, it's not like lights out, but that's, you know, top top half, if you will. Um, again, Merrill Kelly, not really the most electric player in terms of, you know, the punch out rate. Um, he gets them. I think, you know, when does the, you know, when does he go off that cliff? He's now 35. It's a little scary. Um, you know, you're going to feel way more comfortable with a guy like Zach, but I, I, I'm hoping it's the same year. Like if he gives you a similar year to 2023 or slightly worse, I think you take that. Yeah, I think that you can reasonably expect it to be like a little bit worse, even if it's like a three seven five ERA, three six kind of ERA range, because that's probably where he actually is true true talent wise. I don't know that he's necessarily a three three ERA guy, but I know that he is not as bad as that four point four ERA, and that's kind of yeah. I think a lot of people and myself, you know, chiefly among them, would have thought that that was kind of who he was coming over from spending most of his career in Korea. 2019, he had a 4.42. He had a very nice small sample size in 2020, which is hard to really read into, but another 4.4 ERA in 2021. And then he's just been a, a completely different pitcher these last two years. He's an accumulator. He's even going back to Korea, 181, 200, 190, 158, 183. He throws a lot of innings. So I think he's somebody you can rely on. At least he's going to be there for you, barring injury. He's going to make 30 starts. He's going to throw 170 to 190 kind of innings. And if he's able to maintain that strikeout rate, that's going to be something that kind of I think goes under the radar a little bit that he's somebody who can, you know, his strikeout rate this year was almost the same as Gallon's. And that's something that I don't think is going to – I hadn't noticed that until we were recording here that I didn't realize it was that high. So that's something that's going to catch a lot of people by surprise probably. He might just be a sneaky source of wins, strikeouts, and everything really. He might just be able to replicate what he did again, and maybe he doesn't, but – I'm willing to take the chance. He's not going to be an expensive pitcher. People aren't going to be saying you need Merrill Kelly this year because he's just not that type of hype. People are hyping up Tariq Skubal and Nolan Jones and Royce Lewis. You know, Merrill Kelly's not going to be in that grouping at age 35. He's just not. Awesome group of players, by the way. Yeah, but they're expensive players. You know, you're having to pay third round price for Tariq Skubal, fourth round price for Nolan Jones. You're not going to be paying anywhere near that for Merrill Kelly. If I would just pull up where he's going and i'm sure it's a little bit more expensive than i'm even thinking but 154 is his early price 154 i mean i'll take that every day at that point you know you're kind of just filling out your roster at that point if you can fill it out with 200 innings on a good team yeah i'll i'll, t- I'll take it every day 100 no i'm right there with you yeah now we mentioned eduardo rodriguez a little bit off the top He's been somebody that I was never really like. I was never that enamored with him when he was in Boston. He had a couple of really good seasons, but he also had a couple of terrible seasons. Overall, for his career, he has a 4.03 ERA, but he's coming off the best year of his career. 26 starts of a 3.3 ERA. Did miss a little bit of time, but when he was out there, he was amazing. Now, who do you, what version of him do you think the Diamondbacks are getting in the long run? Do you think they're getting closer to the 3.3 ERA, closer to the 4 ERA guy? Uh, what, what do you think you guys are getting for the next four years? Well, the, the version I want is a healthy version of Eduardo Rodriguez because the biggest thing with Eduardo Rodriguez is his durability question mark. He's only thrown 160 innings one time in his career, and that was 2019. 
So I think first and foremost, you know, you're paying four for 80, you're paying 20 million per year. You, you want him to pitch at least 160 innings and he's only done that once. So that does scare me a little bit. But again, trying to be a positive guy, you know, it's, over, since 2021, his ERA has dropped from a 474 to a 405 to a 33. So that's a great improvement, improvement, improvement. Um, via Savant, his pitch run value has gotten better within those three years as well. So his stuff has been pretty darn good too. Um, so you could project that, you know, going into the 2024 season, his stuff shouldn't take a massive dip. If not, maybe if it keeps getting better. Who knows? Um, going to a ballpark like Arizona now, um, I I don't know if he's that 3-3 guy, you know, because the, I'm torn. I really am because we saw what he did in Detroit last year, and he made some good starts. But then towards the back of the year, he came back. He had some good starts. He had some bad starts. And I think that's more him, honestly. Like, I think he'll give you starts where he's going to give you six innings, one run, seven Ks, eight Ks. And then I think there are going to be other starts where he's going to give you five innings, four runs, four Ks in that range. So I don't know if Rodriguez will be the most consistent starter. Um, I think my hope is that he gives at least 160 innings. He makes around 25 plus starts and he keeps the ball in the park. Yeah. I mean, a 3-3 ERA, it's just so hard to find really anybody who's going to do that outside of the elite, elite names. If you look at this past season, you will find the Kyle Bradishes of the world, the Sonny Grays of the world who pop up the Merrill Kelly's of the world who pop up. But for the most part, you're not just finding those guys at this point in their career, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's on the wrong side of 30. I don't know that he's going to be able to maintain that. But I think if he's healthy, if Eduardo Rodriguez is giving you 150 innings or so, as your number three, potentially your number four starter, because the next guy we're going to talk about, Brandon Fott, could very easily ascend in that rotation, I think you'll take that. Even though $20 million feels a little bit steep, I think that's just kind of the going rate these days. I think everything is just really expensive. You know, you're getting those number three starters for $20 million because that's kind of what the market is. I wouldn't look at that and necessarily think that you're going to be getting what your mind might tell you $20 million should be <laughs> worth necessarily, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. But I, I think you're still getting uh, somebody who could potentially, you know, barring any injuries, be somebody who is a, a really solid number three or number four starter in real life or in fantasy. You know, I think that's kind of the range where you're going to be getting him this year. And if things go right, uh, th then it could look really nice for him in Arizona in a nice big ballpark. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, my skepticism is that he's never had a three, three or anything better than a three, eight in his career until last year. Yeah. And he hasn't given you the durability in innings either until, you know, besides that 2019 year. So I, I am skeptical. I'm really hoping I'm wrong. I, I think it's a little bit of PTSD, from Bumgarner, the Bumgarner signing a few years ago. Yep. Um, but I will say to counter that, my own counter my own point, uh, he had he has much less mileage than Bumgarner did when he signed, though they're the same age. I think Bumgarner had thrown almost 2,000 innings where Eduardo's at 1,100 in his career. Yeah. So maybe that helps him in the long run for Arizona now. Yeah, Bumgarner was racking up innings, and then he was going deep in the postseason a lot of times there in San Francisco as well. So he definitely had a lot more. Uh, under his belt than Rodriguez, who's mostly been a 120, 130 innings guy. Outside of that one year where he went 200, I'm hoping for you guys that he can go 200 again uh, as a Diamondback. That'd be great for you guys. But Brandon Fought is an interesting one. Brandon Fought was somebody that going into 2023 was labeled in some circles as like the, the next strider. There was a lot of talk in fantasy oh, circles yeah. and probably in real life circles as well of people who were trying to pinpoint who could be that guy that comes out of nowhere and strikes out 200 batters. And 
Fott was labeled uh, as that guy who could be, because I believe in 2022 he led the minor leagues yeah. in strikeouts. He was dominant. Now, he did not have a hell of a lot of success at the big league level at in the regular season uh, in 2023, but we saw him have some really great starts in the postseason at still 25. He just turned 25 years old now. Do you think that he is actually like fully do you think that was his coming out party essentially in the in the playoffs do you think that now he is going to be that guy going forward or was that kind of maybe just some adrenaline that was coming through is it maybe he's not ready yet like wh- where are you because i'm kind of confused honestly on fought i'm not sure what to make of him at this point i think he's a real good value pick i think he could be the like in the craziest world uh he could be the second best pitcher this season in arizona like i'm really high on him early on there's no numbers behind it it's just watching him uh, his fastball moves way more differently now. Uh, it was very flat early on. His first start versus Texas, ironically, you know, I was doing some work watching it uh, here. Um, it was a day game, and it was it was in Globe Life, and he was just home run after home run. It was like a 12-9 game. Gets a no decision. But, like, his fastball is just flat. And for a guy that struck out, like you said, the most in the minor leagues in 2022, you'd expect he had more swing in this stuff, and he wasn't getting those, especially early on. Uh, he gets sent down, and then his second half is better. You know, he makes 12 starts in the second half with a 4-2-2 ERA, um, a little bit over K per nine. Uh, the postseason was really good, as we said. You know, 3-2-7 and five games started. He was arguably our best or second-best pitcher in the rotation in the in, uh, in the postseason. But I think this is the year. You know, I think we find out in 2024 who fought is. But I, I really think his stuff is good. He's got swing and miss stuff. We saw it in the postseason especially. It's where he's projected, I'm assuming he's much lower than the first three guys you've mentioned. I think he's going to be a potential good value to give you around 150 innings and give you some strikeout numbers. Now, Fangraphs, their early projections for him is 142 innings over 26 starts. Sure. They have him down for a 442 ERA and a 126 whip as of right now. Whip's fine. I think the ERA is a little high. In my I think it's probably a little high. Now his price is picked two hundred and three, so he's not somebody that you're having to spend a lot on. I mean, it's reasonable enough. Like he's it's still a high enough price where you know, it's not nothing. It's not like a, it's not he's not free. If you know, there's some guys going pick you know last round of your draft kind of range. He's not that kind of low value, but he's still for the potential that we know is there. You know, in the minors striking out well over thirty percent of batters. You know, twelve point something K per nine in the minors, like. You could definitely see there being a path where he does have a sub four ERA and he does become the second best pitcher on the team this year. Merrill Kelly, like we said, he's 35. You never know. Eduardo Rodriguez has kind of had up and down seasons. You know, it's it's possible that he is the second best pitcher. And even in the craziest of crazy worlds, maybe even the best pitcher on this Diamondbacks team this year. I, I don't think that that's probably going to happen, but. I think the potential is there for him to be an ace at some point. And maybe it's not 2024. Maybe he needs a couple more years to develop. But I, I think the talent is there in fought for him to be that good going forward. You're going to see on my Twitter, I think he's their X factor for this year. Yeah. I, I think if he's going, like that rotation, that four should be, you know, should be one of the best in baseball. No, um, absolutely. Not the most exciting top four pitchers. But they, yeah. you know, if they're producing like they could, for sure. It gets the job done in fantasy and it gets the job done in real life. It's those boring guys that are kind of the afterthoughts, you know, the guys that'll sign in February after all the big pieces have fallen. And it's the guys that are going in round 12 or round 17 of your draft. It's not usually round one and two where you win your league. It's round 17, round 18, round 20. 
I picked Sonny Gray with my very last pick in the league. I played with my buddies last year, and I picked him because, well, he played Kansas City in week one. I'm thinking, okay, he's going to have a nice start. If it's after that, I can drop him. And he came second in Cy Young voting. It was just a ridiculously lucky pick, but it does happen. And fought, you know, could be. I'm not saying he's going to come second in Cy Young voting, but he could have a, a really great season nonetheless. Now, I think Ryan Nelson is the guy that looks like he's going to be the number five starter, although there could potentially maybe be some movement there. Like we said, it's early in the offseason. I'm not 100% sure. Ryan Nelson is not somebody that I have a ton of confidence in. What do you think, though? Uh, somebody, he, I mean, he made 27 starts this past season, which kind of surprised me. I didn't realize it was actually that many. But they were running him out there with a 531 ERA every five days. What do you think is going to happen this coming season for Ryan Nelson? I don't think he's going to be the fifth starter. Um, his, I think he could be a good reliever. His stuff, he it's four-seam fastball. And his other pitch, it's some sort of breaking, uh, you know, vertical movement pitch. I don't know what they classify it as. But Nelson, you know, he's, he's made 30 starts in his career. Uh, his first three starts in 2022, I had him actually late in September in 2022 fantasy. And he, he was really good during that stretch. Um, and I thought he could re- maybe replicate, not to that extent, but be somewhat decent in 2023. And <laughs> that was that was not the case. Um, they have a guy, Dre Jamison, who I think is actually a better rotation guy, but he's going to be out. Uh, with Tommy John, so he scratched him off the board. Uh, Tommy Henry last year, I, I want to actually talk about him if you don't mind, because I think yeah. he's a left-handed pitcher. I don't think he's going to be great for fantasy, but I, I, the only reason I want to bring him up is I, I think he's going to be their left, the, the fifth starter um, over Nelson. I think if you're going stuff for stuff, I think Nelson's a better pitcher. I think that fastball plays better, but Henry being a lefty, um, Henry is, I think, a better pitcher. He has a nice little change-up. Uh, he gave innings. He suffered an elbow injury, which is why Nelson actually came in towards the end of the year uh, again, because Nelson was on and off with the rotation pending injury. Or if you know if they get Zach Davies or Madison Bumgarner, he was like the mop up guy. You're coming into rotation, surprise, you're back in, um, kind of guy. But Tommy Henry made 16 starts last year, the four one. I I don't know. I'm hoping he's more of an inning guy. I, I just his stuff is okay. Fantasy-wise, I'm skeptical. Real-life-wise, I'm skeptical. But that's the current role of the fifth slot right now. Yeah, it's tough to find a fifth starter on any team, really, who's going to be doing too much for you fantasy-wise. Real life, you're just kind of hoping to eat those innings up. And, I mean, I don't think that you're going to be looking at Ryan Nelson, what he did last year, and saying that they're going to want to be using him to eat innings again. Maybe he gets better. He probably does get a bit better. but Still young. Henry will probably get some opportunities as well for sure, and there, you know, uh, there will be injuries pop up throughout the year. I think both of them will probably uh, get an opportunity as that fifth starter, and maybe both will be in the rotation at some point. I mean, like I- I'm coming off a year in Toronto where all the starters were healthy the whole year, but yeah. it was crazy. But most teams, you know, guys get hurt, and you'll have to eat innings. And Henry will be a guy I think that, like you said, will be. We'll be used. You said he started 16 games last year. I could see him doing that or even more uh, this coming season. Probably more. Probably more, in all honesty. Uh, I do want to mention with Ryan Nelson, because I had to look it up about like Savant stuff, because I I knew what it would look like. It was going to look as cold as ice, lots of blue. And chase rate was 11th percentile. Whiff was 9th percentile. That's uh, hard hit was 22nd percentile. Like it's Pitching value was 3rd percentile. Like a, That's not I, and the number has kind of proved it. Yeah, like I, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for sure. Well, we covered the starting rotation now. The last part, and I don't want to keep you for too long here because I know it's at the end of the workday. But let's just quickly talk about the bullpen. Paul Seawald is going to be the closer here. I don't think there's 
too much of a question there. But let's just say that Seawald crumbles, falls apart, or he gets hurt or something like that. Who would you think would be the guy that is turned to in this pen? Last year, it was a revolving door of guys from Chafin. There was Ginkle. There was Castro. There was McGuff. There was I don't even know how many different guys got a save last year. But what do you think it'll look like this year, hypothetically speaking, knock on wood, if something did happen to Seawald? Who'd be the handcuff guy there? Uh, I, You know, this is surprising. I think it's actually pretty much a slam dunk, knock on wood. Um, it's going to be Kevin Ginkle. Uh, he's going to be the eighth inning guy. Um, of the things I've said today, I like that's like the most sure I've been. Kevin Ginkle was really good towards the end of the year and in the postseason, especially. Like we talked about, fought being the best starting pitcher. Kevin Ginkle was our best reliever in the postseason. Yeah, uh, eleven and two thirds. He didn't give him a run. He struck out fifteen. Had six holds. Like he was shut down. He was money when they used him in the postseason. And even second half of the year, he was really good. Um, the post. Um, you know, before the postseason two, the second half of the year, the Dimebacks finally, and I mean finally, it had been years for them to have a decent bullpen. Like they went from having a horrendous bullpen to start the year with Castro and McGuff and, you know, whoever you want, Luis Frias, Joe Mantiply, Kyle Nelson, like whoever you want to throw in there, right? And and also, sidebar, all the players that they had to release or send back to the minors or DFA or whatever, because it was a revolving door, like you said. Um, they have some solid options in the pen. Seawald being the closer, Ginkle being the eighth inning guy, Thompson being the seventh inning guy, Andrew Salfrank is going to be the first lefty out of the bullpen probably. So they have they have some decent arms in that in that bullpen that in you know real life is going to be important for the snakes. But come fantasy, you know, Seawald's getting uh, the saves, Ginkle's getting the holds, and even Ryan Thompson's going to get some holds too. Yeah, I think that Seawald is such an upgrade like it was such a refreshing thing from a fantasy point of view you had Andres Munoz kind of getting freed there in Seattle and you had Seawald because that was something that like they were both so good and they're both so deserving of an everyday closer role and maybe there's some talk about Munoz we won't get into Seattle talk but it was good to see them both going to get freed up yeah for sure so fun to watch yeah Seawald is great even though there was some iffier moments in the postseason uh he's still a great guy to have there at the back end of the pen he's one of the best closers in baseball in my opinion uh, Dalton, I really appreciate you taking the time today, man. It's been a lot of fun going through this whole roster. I think that the Diamondbacks are probably going to be in a, at least a similar situation where they were last year, getting into the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, I mean, you guys proved to us that anything can happen. So it's a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun looking at the team and great talking with you, man. Great meeting you. Dude, Joe, it's been fantastic. I mean, I, I've been impressed. Like, you know, I know you know fantasy, I know you know baseball, but like it's the in-depth that you're given too about the Arizona Dimebacks and let alone you're doing all 30 teams, you know, really impressive. And it's been awesome talking to you, man. Excited to see the stuff, you know, all the content you're producing. It's been great. It's a lot of fun, man. You, you get to a point where you almost feel like you have to know everything about every team. And of course, like I have tabs open on the computer. I don't, I don't know all this stuff off the top of my head. Um, but it's, it's just uh, a process where you just go through these names so many times and review players and positions and look at different categories. And you just end up seeing these names so many times and going through these stats, and it ends up getting stuck in there. But it is a lot of fun. Of course, this is the first of our 30-team previews. We'll be back. Not sure which team we'll do next. We're still talking with some people, but we'll be trying mm-hmm. to do it roughly alphabetically. So maybe look out for Braves or White Sox or somewhere up there, Red Sox, something like that. But in any event... Uh, please do go check out Dalton's work over at John Boy and go check him out over on Twitter at dfeely14, D-F-E-E-L-Y-14. Definitely one of the more underfollowed people over there, so make sure you guys are giving him a follow. 
you want to check out my work, that's Joe Rico 99 Looks like the way it is on screen there, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And, of course, check out sportsethos.com for the rest of our baseball coverage and everything else. But, guys, that will do it. We'll see you again tomorrow. But until then, take care and have a great night. <laughs>